Hey everyone, C-Note here, and welcome to Super Mario's Briggs Turbo EX, the show that is trying to ask you all the type questions. I don't, I need a tagline. I haven't figured one out yet. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about shadow functions, and really like, I don't want to say the myth of shadow functions, but almost like the unnecessary perspective that shadow functions kind of bring. I think it's pretty common knowledge, or at least when you get to an advanced part of Myers-Briggs, you start to think about how uh, you start to learn about the shadow functions, right? And I think it's something that that someone who is a beginner starts to learn about, and it, it's kind of like going too far too quickly, right? It's something that is not exactly useful for someone in their personal development. The shadow functions are kind of a way to explain the uh, unconscious, the subconscious bias that's placed on us throughout our lives. So I want to break that down and talk about that a little bit more today on Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. All right, welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing well. So if you're listening to this, you're probably fairly new to um, to Myers-Briggs and you're starting to learn about the shadow functions or you might be like confused about what the shadow functions are. What does it even mean? Like what is, what is going on here? And um, I think it's one of those cases of kind of going too deep too quickly when it comes to Myers-Briggs. Uh, I think most people should really be starting with their dominant function and their secondary function as a means to learn about their main personality types. And then as you go through life a little bit, you start to understand how your tertiary function acts as your ego defense mechanism and how your uh, inferior function will typically operate as uh, something that needs a, a subconscious uh, growth, right? So, and then there's the four inferior, the four unconscious or I don't like the term unconscious. Like it makes me think of like, you're dead, <laughs> you're knocked out, but the, the completely, you know, the deep subconscious stuff, the four other remaining functions, because all of us have eight cognitive functions that we use, but the four super inferior, you know, the four primary function. And, and then there are the four basically inferior functions that we do not use typically throughout our lives are ones that someone tries to explain through the definition of the shadow functions. And I think when you get into shadow function territory, it starts to become like a pontification of the Myers-Briggs stuff. I think this is where we start to get into a place where people start to think like, this is so far-fetched, it couldn't be true, and starts to kind of really hurt the validity of Myers-Briggs when people start talking about it, right? I think that that happens quite a bit um, as we get into this space. You know, people start to really talk about how this can have sort of detrimental effects on someone's understanding of Myers-Briggs. Because again, people try to go too deep too fast and you start to learn about these other functions that have virtually no bearing on your life. And I think what's actually going on is that someone is trying to explain that these other functions are 
actually the subconscious bias that someone will place upon you and the 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 functions that you have to kind of adapt to in order to survive, right? So if you're an INTP, in my case, and my father is an ENCFJ, he's a complete opposite personality type to me. And I've had to adapt to him, which means I have opportunities for growth in my inferior functions. But it also means that I'm going to be likely learning or experiencing things that are not natural for my personality type if I were to just grow on my own in my own solitude, right? I'm going to be... Um, you know, influenced by different things. So if you're, um, again, if you're an INTP child and you have an ENFJ parent or something, you are going to be exposed to their introverted intuition in a way that you would not normally be exposed to. So in order to adapt to kind of connecting with them, you might need to access some of your latent introverted intuition in order to connect with them. And it doesn't mean it's healthy. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. It doesn't mean you're supposed to be doing that, but you tend to have to lean on that or try to grow something that is natural, not naturally a growth opportunity for you because you're trying to adapt to your social situation, right? So what I think the shadow functions are an attempt to explain, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go through defining all of this in this episode. I think what the shadow functions are attempting to explain is that subconscious bias that's being placed on us. Uh, that's it. End of the show. <laughs> no, I mean, there's more to it, but the, the general idea is that a lot of people get really confused. Um, there are certainly different ways to look at shadow functions, right? Some people look at the opposite type, right? They look at, again, INTP versus ESFJ, ESFJ is, has the same functions as I do, but in the reverse order. And some people call that the shadow functions, but then other people call the four functions that they are not using at all the shadow functions. In my case, it would be um, F-I-T-E-S-E and N-I. And those are all traits that like an INF, uh, INTJ would have. Am I thinking that right? Yeah, an INTJ would have. So an INTP might have this, you know, might, um, if they're really, really incredibly unhealthy, may act like an INTJ. But those, you know, if for an INTP and an INTJ to kind of like fully connect or you have to adapt from an INTP parent or to an INTJ child, for example, like you may have to try to be a little bit like them to you know, survive essentially. It's a survival thing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, a part of your function stack. What's really going on here is again, that like people get really confused because they are not aware of this subconscious bias that they are taking in, in, the, in their lives. They're taking in all sorts of information from the world around them, particularly parents and close friends and teachers and people that they have long-term exposure to. And, you know, society, what, what society as a whole expects of a person, right? Um, and for me, as an INTP, I feel like I'm the complete opposite of what uh, society wants <laughs> from me. So, I, I, in order to adapt and survive, I've had to be maybe a little bit more friendly than I'd like to be or, you know, to to grow in a way that is uh, uh, nurturing my sense of security and introverted sensing in a way that I don't necessarily want to be naturally. Right. And in order to adapt, to survive to what society has created, I have to be, I have to grow my introverted sensing a little bit. I have to grow my extroverted feeling a little bit. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to grow those other four functions that are not in my stack because, or, or that are in my secondary stack essentially, because those are not things that are going to be coming up for me naturally very often. 
And there are certainly ways that I can use my dominant functions to adapt to society that I don't have to actually match functions with other people, right? So if I'm with an INTJ hanging out with them or whatever, I don't actually have to match introverted intuition. I have to adapt to it enough to like understand and get it and be able to like talk with them and, and, and have a a helpful back and forth. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to become an INTJ. And some people feel like they have to become a certain type. So they adapt subconsciously. So as to a certain type of behavior, you know, uh, some would argue that ESFJs are the dominant type in America, essentially the, what, what America is modeled after is an ESFJ personality type, basically. And, people feel like they have to adapt to what that type is. So you find people who will adapt their, some of their subconscious traits to what they think they should be right. Essentially. So that involves people looking into their shadow functions and thinking that they need to evolve these shadow functions instead of leaning into their dominant functions, their hero function, as some people put it, um, to their their dominant and secondary functions as a means to grow themselves as a person instead of continuing to adapt to other people. And that's the thing that I don't like at all about the shadow function sort of model or perspective is that is continuing to teach people to adapt to things as opposed to having society adapt to you, to having to adapt to your own personal growth, right? Like this whole, whole idea that you can grow your shadow functions is nonsense. Like it's, it's, there's not enough data out there to be able to, to say that this is something that is going to be beneficial for someone. Because again, your dominant trait accounts for 80% of your personality. Like if you're in your secondary cognitive stack, a lot of the time you are denying yourself of your dominant function. And that is unhealthy. People become depressed. They become sick. They can't function normally if they are doing that. I've never heard of anyone that is using all of their eight functions effectively because that dominant function is a subconscious thing. It is not something you choose actively to switch between, right? It is not something that you are saying, I, uh, I'm so much in my TI that I'm just going to boop switch to NE, right? <laughs> you have to do something to make your environment change so that your brain wiring can switch into T into the next function that you need to work on. Right. It's not you just saying, okay, well I'm an NE now. <laughs> I'm fine. Woo. Like that's just not necessarily how that works. Right. So it becomes really tricky. It becomes tricky to talk about because a lot of people feel very adamant about the shadow functions being a thing. And again, that just becomes, it cheapens the discussion around Myers-Briggs because if people are spending so much time in their primary functions, you're going to get a ton of growth out of it. They are just like, if you're getting a ton of growth from growing your main functions, then you're just not going to need to even think about your shadow functions. You know, you think about the shadow functions in the way that like, again, you're adapting to society, right? And when you start to adapt to your personal strengths, you start to find ways to be your own person, to have society adapt to you, to set the proper boundaries that you need to continue to function as a person, to use your strengths, right? and be able to uh, navigate through the world in a way that you naturally know how, because if you're an, especially introverts know this, right? That if you're trying to adapt or trying to pretend to even be an extrovert, it's going to be exhausting. You're going to, you're going to be dead at the end of the day. Right. And I feel that about being 
all sorts of other personality types. Like I've had to adapt to a very sensing world. Um, when, um, when I was in Philly growing up, there's a lot of sensors in Philly and it's a very sensor town for sure. And it was very exhausting for me to even just live there. Right. And to communicate with a lot of people because it was just, you know, there's such an intense culture around uh, a sensor mindset. And it was just not something that I can continue to be around. And that was only my second function. <laughs> um, you know, that was only my, my fourth function or my third function rather, sorry, introverted sensing. And that's been, you know, helpful for my growth in that area. But at the same time, like I'm still struggling with it all the time. Uh, you know, I, there are things that I'm learning about my introverted sensing constantly. So if anyone's claiming that they have a hold on shadow functions, like I call bullshit, sorry, that's just not, no, I don't, I don't believe it one bit. Um, I think, I think we'll try to cover it factually, quote unquote, in uh, another episode to kind of talk about, you know, what it is and give you kind of a primer of what people are talking about when it comes to shadow functions. There's a personality junk junkie uh, article about shadow functions that kind of helps with the understanding of this. But, um, you know, it, it's these shadow functions are really tricky to talk about, right? Because they're going to pop up every once in a while. I feel like I've had an introverted feeling type of dream in my life, like once, and they're going to, they're going to happen. You know, it's, it's a something, it's something that is, that is existing. Again, we all have the eight, we all have eight functions between us and they're just kind of scrambled and mixed around. Right. But this idea that we can actually do anything consciously with these four functions, it's just kind of muddying the discussion and it's not helping us be able to develop and move forward. And the reason I say this is because I trust sources that I've been working with clients. I trust people who have been actually using this for personal growth, not just pontificating or talking about this as a concept, but people who are actually using this to train and help people. You know, I haven't heard situations where people are using shadow functions as a ways to actually train and help someone other than understanding that sometimes someone is trying to encourage you to use your shadow, shadow functions when you shouldn't be right. So like you have an extroverted sensing parent when you are an extroverted intuitive and you have conflicts that way. And your parent is trying to encourage you to use extroverted sensing and you develop some of that, but it's not good for your overall growth. Right. So again, it's going to be, it's fine to be able to grow in some of those ways. I think when our four dominant functions kind of fail a little bit, there is the opportunity for the other four functions to kind of like subconsciously carry the weight temporarily. But again, as something that can be like consciously sort of grown and learned, I think it's just not the best use of our time and the best use of energy for personal growth. I already talked about it on a previous episode about how your secondary function is your greatest opportunity for growth, especially early on when you're just starting to learn this. Um, diving into shadow functions and all that stuff. Like people again, start to think of shadow functions as the reverse order of their functions. You know, my shadow functions would be ESFJ when actually what they're actually talking about is your inferior grip, you know, being in a place where your inferior function is taking over and you're in kind of a panic, right? So I'm kind of a little bit in my inferior grip right now because I'm kind of preaching at people and <laughs> I'm trying to get them to like fix their mindset a little bit because a lot of this stuff is maddening. You know, this morning, the reason that this episode exists is because I was having a discussion with someone who is just kind of like 
all over the map when kind of giving advice to people. And she's very expressive and giving a ton of advice to people about Myers-Briggs stuff, but so very incorrect. And again, having passion for something doesn't equal correctness. So it's like, it's, it's very challenging, especially for me as an INTP. Um, you know, I get stuck in, in, in sort of a, a grip of feeling, um, uh, you know, feeling like, uh, I need to be correct essentially. So, you know, it's, it's just at the end of the day, my obsession was kind of leading to me thinking about these cognitive functions, the shadow functions, and she was just trying to sell me on it. And I just don't buy it. Honestly. Um, I think it can eventually be helpful for someone, but when you're really starting out, when you're just learning about Myers-Briggs stuff, it is just, it is not the best way. It is not the best approach right now. This is something that like, maybe you'll think about in your seventies, <laughs> you know? Um, but I, this is just, it's something important to think about in the way that like, you should be considering the subconscious bias that's being placed on top of your cognitive functions. Right. And again, I think that is just like what this is meant to explain that you're going to be given any kind of bias based on like what your parents will teach you, what your teachers will teach you, what your friends will teach you, what the culture of your, the place you grew up in, um, you know, religious culture or whatever, you know, you're going to be influenced by other things and that's going to give you flavor in your life. But at the same time, you need to be sprinkling your own flavor onto your life, right? You can't just take, take what other teacher, uh, other people teach you and assume that that is going to be the way for your own personal growth. You know, Myers-Briggs is intensely individualized. Shadow functions are intensely individualized. Uh, you know, to understand shadow functions is to, uh, is to understand someone's personal story, right? To understand, again, that if you're an introverted thinker and you have an extroverted sensor parent that is putting those extroverted sensor qualities on you and you don't have extroverted sensing as your in your primary stack you know those are things that are going to show up for you as shadow functions as ways that you're like i have no idea why i am this way <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't feel right but you find out that you're actually an intp and you're like oh well i gotta scrap that all together i need to start learning in a different way i just need to start learning about who i actually am versus what society has been teaching me to be right? So that is the real difference. Shadow functions, I think are not useful at the moment. I think they are something that is highly individualized. And if you're working with someone, they can certainly help you discuss that and talk about how this is something that can be uh, helpful to you. But it is really something that is like most people who are beginning and even novices and even some advanced people are just still not in a place where that's even relevant or important to their lives. It's not relevant for everyone to, to dive into shadow functions at all. You know, if you've had situations where certain functions have been uh, primarily taught to you and it's not natural to you, that's where it applies. Otherwise it doesn't apply. And we're just pontificating about things that don't make sense to people and confuses the message and it becomes misinterpretations or misinformation being spread about Myers-Briggs. And that's where it starts to become kind of loony, right? It starts to get into this like astrological place where people just can't really understand what's going on. And we start to apply it to everyone. And those shadow functions just don't apply to everyone. They absolutely do not. It just does not. That's not how that works at all. So 
Um, just want to be clear about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's pretty important. Uh, it's not something that's in my course, so it's kind of unique that I'm talking about this on this episode. Um, and I'm, maybe I'll talk about it in my advanced course, which I'm working on called Cognitive Functions, uh, Meyer, Myers-Briggs MBTI Hard Mode Cognitive Functions, where I talk more in depth about cognitive functions and you know, I'll probably include shadow function stuff in there. So you got a free taste of that. So that's great. But if you're still new to this and you're trying to understand a little bit about what Myers-Briggs is at all, you know, don't worry about the shadow functions. That is not something you're anywhere near talking about yet. Think, learn about your dominant functions, learn about your secondary function. Those are your opportunities for growth to continue to be in flow state and be a better person. And uh, you can learn more about that stuff at my training course called supermbti.training. It's a uh, Myers-Briggs easy mode. And it is basically a two and a half hour to three and a half hour course. I forget how long it is about, um, the basics of Myers-Briggs, getting yourself understanding all of the little details. So you sign up there and you get involved in the newsletter and um, you have access to going through the course and getting all of the deals and all that stuff that go through with uh, with all my courses and stuff. So go check that out. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. We've had a few hundred listeners this month. So thank you so much. We haven't even had that many episodes yet. So I'm really excited because that means I might have another show that I could do more regularly. So this sounds great. Um, thank you guys for being here. Of course, you're probably going to have questions. Shadow functions are a little bit confusing. So feel free to ask questions. Hit me up here on anchor anchor.fm slash super MBTI, or you can hit us up at super MBTI on any of the social channels. So that's it. Um, oh, and we just started a group. So look for the group on Facebook, Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX on Facebook and join our group. And we can talk all about Myers-Briggs all day long. It'll be great. <laughs> Nerd. Um, yeah, that's it. Go take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. Later. Hey, thanks for listening to Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. You want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. Yeah.